Hello and welcome to another bite-sized episode of Ofsted Talks. My name's Mark Leach. Today we're going to be talking about supported accommodation. This is accommodation for 16, 17-year-olds who are in care or who have just left care and who may need a place to live where they're supported by responsible adults. Despite the need for support and guidance at this stage in their lives, we know for many young people this is an uncertain time and they've sometimes been placed in poor quality accommodation, which is why the Department for Education has asked Ofsted to start regulating the sector uh, and make sure that standards are high enough to help young people feel safe and supported as they make the transition into adult life. Earlier, I spoke to Matthew Brazier, our Project Director for Supported Accommodation, and to Rachel Holden, our Senior His Majesty's Inspector for Supported Accommodation, about our plans for regulating this sector. We talked about what we think good supported accommodation looks like, what young people have had to say about their needs, and why this new area of our work is so important. So Matthew, hi. I think we should start by talking about the the children who are placed in supported accommodation, just to get a sense of uh, of who we're talking about. Yeah, of course, Mark. We think there's around 7,000 children in care or care leavers who are aged 16 to 17 in supported accommodation. That's what the data from last year tells us. And they'll have a range of different backgrounds. The needs can really vary. It's really important not to see them as an homogenous group. And when we inspect, we'll be focusing on how providers understand and meet those different needs. But generally speaking, there'll be children who are in care and care leavers who are able to manage an increasing amount of autonomy or independence in their lives while they still get the kind of help and protection that all children uh, should expect. And as I say, there's around 7,000, we think, which is a not insignificant number. It's pretty similar to the number of children in children's homes. So you can tell from that comparison that it is a it's a large number of, of children, but all with, with, with different needs. That's that's really helpful. Thank you. Uh, Rachel, in terms of the accommodation itself, uh, obviously supported accommodation is uh, is rather different to, to children's homes. It's it's a it's a pretty varied sector. So so what sort of thing are we looking at? You're right there, Mark. It is very varied. And the regulations split it into four different categories. So the first category is like when you have a spare room in your house. So it's a family home. It's called supported lodgings and they're host families who's hosting you in person and they share all your other living facilities that you have in your house, your kitchen, and they become part of a family, really. So there's that type. Then there's more like self-contained flats. So like a bedsit or a studio, that type of accommodation. And then there's shared houses. So you might have three or four young people living and sharing the same house, but having obviously their individual bedrooms. And then there's accommodation, which is a little bit more like house of multiple occupancies. So it could be that you're living with other people that are maybe aged 22, 23. Uh, They come from a different background than you. They haven't been in care or care leavers. Uh, And that's the category, the fourth category that I was speaking about. So 
even though we split them up within those categories, there's quite a lot of variation uh, and quite a lot of variation between the housing throughout the country as well. So we, we've seen a, a lot of a lot of difference in the sector. Uh, so I just point out the difference between supported accommodation and children's homes. So for children's homes, they're looked after by staff in it within the home. They're cared for, they're parented, um, if you like, by staff in the home, where it's supported accommodation are supported and they're supported on their journey to independence. So they may not have staff there 24-7, they may not have staff uh, to hand all the time, but actually they know who to contact in an emergency. They are supported to proceed into college or an apprenticeship. So there's lots of different models out there of supported accommodation. So, so Given that it is um, such a varied sector, then I suppose our role is going to be a bit different in terms of the sorts of inspections that we we can do. We're going into, as you say, Rachel, really different types of uh, of places. Matthew, what what are we going to be looking for when we start to inspect uh, from April next year, April twenty four? Well, we started consulting on uh, a number of things in July for the way we'll inspect from April. And one of those proposals was about the main things that we should expect for children in a strong supported accommodation service. So some of the examples of the the criteria that we'd be looking for is that children should feel safe and settled where they live. There should be strong support for their emotional, their physical health. And, and good help with their education, training and employment. We'd want leaders and managers to have high ambitions, high expectations for children. And, and fundamentally, the accommodation itself should be of good quality, but it should also meet children's individual needs. So we've met, we've set out those criteria, very broad criteria that will help us develop the, the final evaluation criteria. And we've based that those proposals on lots of discussions that we've had in the last year or so with commissioners, providers, children's advocacy groups. Their views have been really helpful to help us develop those proposals. But most importantly, we've we've worked really hard to speak to uh, the care experience community, uh, care experience people who are young and old. We wanted to learn from their lived experience and make sure that the things that we look at when we inspect are, th- are going to be the things that are most important to them. Yeah, that's clearly think, a really important group, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so so, so what's what have we heard in particular from from young people or, as you say, from people who've been through the care system themselves? Yeah, the, some of the things that coming out loudly and clearly from them is about or feeling safe fundamentally. They agree that the support should match their individual needs. So wherever they live, that support is tailored to them as, as individuals. But a common theme was about how they should be allowed to move towards increased independence at a pace that suits them. And it's important to remember these are children and that we shouldn't expect them to be fully independent at the age of 16 or 17. This is about a path towards adulthood and a path towards independence. So the pace that they move at towards that independence is going to vary and uh, and the support they get should reflect that. We are quite clear that supported accommodation should not mean an absence of care. And children were particularly clear that they want the opportunity to have to have the growing independence as they get older, but they also want safety nets. They want to have financial security, um, so they're not really worried about financial or money issues unnecessarily. They want the support of adults who care for them and who they can trust. 
but they also want to be able to enjoy the kind of things that, that all, all children and all young people should expect and deserve. So their insight has been really, really helpful. We think we've got to a point where the proposals that we'll make for what we look at on inspection will reflect a consensus. It'll, it'll strongly reflect children's views. It will take into account the views of professionals and other interested parties. But we've also looked at research, the available research on supported accommodation, and, and, and that's been helpful too. So we think we'll have an evidence-based inspection framework that will focus on the right things and hopefully be looking at things that most importantly children feel that they're the most relevant things for them to, um, to make progress and, and have good experiences. I mean, that sounds, that sounds really positive and, 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 and a big step forward because currently this is a sort of a bit of a grey area, isn't it? Supported accommodation. It's not currently registered. It's not currently inspected. So we need obviously the people who are running this accommodation, the providers of this accommodation to to register with us. What happens if they don't register with us? So so how do we stop there being this kind of grey area? And um, uh, And what happens if we're going into some of these providers and finding that they're just not up to scratch? Yeah, that's a great question. So as we said earlier, this is a new area and um, we need providers to register with us by the 28th of October and have that um, application accepted. After that, they will be acting unlawfully and local authorities won't then be able to place children who are 16, 17, who are in care or care leavers with them. So it's really important that providers do get that application in. And when we go out and if we was to find serious and widespread weaknesses in the uh, provision that they are providing, we have a a raft of powers available to us uh, that could be uh, issuing a compliance notice on a certain area of service that they need to improve on. Or it could be that we suspend the service straight away because there's really serious safeguarding issues for children and we think that they might be at an immediate risk of harm. So we would be looking for those children to move out. But on the whole, as we do with children's homes, we work with providers because we realise that children, if they're living there, they're settled a lot of the time and we give providers opportunities to put the issues right always bearing in mind that the safeguarding of children comes first and foremost. It's 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 always a tough balancing act, isn't it, in, in the areas that we we regulate and people um don't always know with Ofsted we, we, we have these two functions. We're an inspectorate. Obviously most famously we're the schools inspectorate, but we don't actually regulate schools. We don't have the power to um to to, to open schools or close schools. That's that's the Department of Education. Um, but in in social care, we we do have some of those those, those harder edge powers. But as you say, it's it's often about working with providers to make sure they're they're meeting the standards because we don't want to disrupt lives of 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 young people unnecessarily. Um, but we have to always maintain that focus on on safety. So thanks for for that. I, I think that that clears up a bit on how we're going to work in this this new sector. So so what are the next steps for us now? So the next steps for us now is to issue the inspection framework, which will be coming out early next year. And we are already gearing up to do the pilots of that inspection framework. We'll be going to round and about nine providers of all different types. And I spoke earlier about the different categories of registration that we have. So we'll be doing a wide range of small, large, supported lodgings, houses of multiple occupancy type provision. And we'll be testing out what's really working for, obviously, for children and young people, for 
first and foremost will be liaising with the providers to make sure we're doing the best that we can for them and we'll be speaking to the inspectors who do those pilots. So by the time we come to start the inspection year in April uh, next year we'll be fully up to speed and getting out there and making a start on the inspections. Fantastic. So it's also a new, it's a new area of work as well for, for you two, who obviously worked for a long time at Ofsted uh, in, in social care more generally. What, what drew you to supported accommodation? Well, Mark, I think, you know, my experience as an inspector and then in policy in Ofsted and um, in a previous life in a local authority, I think it means that I know the positive difference that the right kind of help in the right place can make for children and that, you know, what impact really good provision can can have you know and I suppose I was drawn to this particularly because I'm convinced that regulation is necessary I think it can make significant changes and improvements to children's lives and I think it's been such a lot you know this has been unregulated for such a long time and there's so many children in this area I think it's fair to say that there's a consensus across the sector that regulation is necessary is really necessary notwithstanding the challenges that lay ahead for lots of different parts of the sector but I think we really can make a difference I think we can get to a place in April where we have a framework that focuses on the things that matter and it's something that everyone can can sign up to and hopefully we'll shine a light, celebrate good practice, hold poor providers to account, but also drive policy and further improvements as well more widely. That's great, thank you. Um, and Rachel, how about you? So I've been working for Ofsted now for about 10 years and I started my career in regulation. So I used to regulate children's homes, independent fostering agencies, etc. And I saw the real difference that we can make through regulation to the quality of service for children and young people. And also heard those positive stories that young people spoke with passion about their carers and what a difference that they'd made to them. So after I've followed my career through Ofsted, uh, I still take a, a great deal of interest in regulatory work. So when this opportunity came up to manage the central team, uh, I put my hat in the ring and um, it's been a great opportunity to offer providers and children consistency of our approach to our registration and also be able, as Matthew said, to engage with the sector and to engage with them uh, to answer that question what does good look like but I suppose on a more personal note I've got three girls of various different ages now that keep me really busy and the oldest two um, are 16 plus and I've seen you know what support they need at that age and they need a lot of adult input guidance discussion with you name it so I think it's a, a really important time in a young person or a child's life to make sure that we're actually there for children and that we guide them and support them um, to become you know, responsible individuals and adults so yeah it's been a bit of a both really so a bit of a, a work journey and also a personal one but like to say I'm really enjoying it. That's great Th thanks Rachel that's really helpful and I think summarises the importance of this this area of work for uh, young people just coming to the end of their kind of care experience and, and going out into the world. So um, thank you so much for your time and Matthew for yours as well. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you found it interesting. Uh, do tune in again to the next Ofsted Talks uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks. Ofsted Talks.